Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is in loving memory of Dr. James A. Brooks. Brooks was a three-sport athlete at Jackson State from 1956 to 1960. He was a running back with the football team, a second baseman on the baseball team, and a hurdler on the track and field team. Dr. Brooks also played semi-pro baseball with the New Orleans Pelicans. The native of Macomb, Mississippi, was also the director of athletics at Alcorn State University for three years from 1989 to 1992. Dr. Brooks is a 2009 inductee into the SWAC Hall of Fame. Our condolences go out to his family. Let's have a moment of silence for Dr. James A. Brooks. Tiger fan, welcome to episode 64 of the official Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club podcast, bringing you all the latest news, updates, and buzz surrounding your mighty JSU Tigers. I am the Corey C. Be sure to download and subscribe to the podcast to be notified of every new episode. Apple Podcast users, rate and review the show, and everyone, follow Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club on Facebook and Tiger Talk 1400 on Twitter. It all helps the cause, which is the I love, Jackson State University. Hosting this show with me today is Charles Bishop. What's going on, Charles? Hey, how you doing, Corey? Great to be back on another episode with you, buddy. No doubt about it. An exciting episode. And we are back for another would-be game day. Today, of course, is our September 19th. And that would have been our fourth all-time meeting with the University of Southern Mississippi. But since that game won't be taking place, we'll have to reminisce again. And today, let's take it back to our first ever showdown with those Golden Eagles. It was back on October 31st, 1987. And let's bring on one of our legends, a man who was very prominent in that game. He is Jackson State's second all-time leading rusher and Super Bowl champion. I'm talking about Lewis Tillman. Welcome to the show, Lewis. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, Lewis, we wanted to start off by asking you, uh, uh, in unprecedented times, of course, uh, but how are you and your family doing during this uh, coronavirus epidemic? We're doing great. Um, me and my wife, we, we're doing great. We, we, we limit the places we go and uh, make sure that we wear our masks and, stay and keep social distance. No doubt. No doubt about that. Yeah. All right. Great stuff. We're, we're happy to hear that. And I'm, I'm you know, definitely excited to talk to you, Lewis. So let's get right to it. Of course, the theme of, of the day is uh, Southern Mississippi. We will be playing them. And uh, you guys or you participated in the historic first ever matchup between Jackson State and USM. Of course, it was a heartbreaking 17-7 loss for our Tigers. Uh, but let, let's start. Let's talk about that atmosphere, because there was an announced crowd of thirty three thousand six hundred eighty seven in a in a stadium that only seated 33,500. <laughs> so it was an over, overflow crowd and bleachers had to be brought in to accommodate that crowd. So 
what is your record recollection of the the game day atmosphere at the rock tell you the truth i, I really don't remember anything in everybody <laughs> but one thing it didn't seem like i didn't see i didn't see or hear anything gotcha. i was so, i was so focused on the game it wasn't so I wasn't paying attention to what what was around me. Mm-hmm. So um, I just know it was a, 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 a very important game. It was personal to me as well. So um, it was it was a very interesting game. Uh, you know, Lewis, and you just touched on it. Uh, the game was really personal to you. But uh, just kind of take us into your mindset going into that game. Uh, historically Black College, uh, Jackson State taking on a historically white university and University of Southern Mississippi. Yes, uh, uh, it goes back when I was in high school, you know, to me, you know, because mm-hmm. uh, when I was getting recruited, you know, they did send me letters. Southern Mississippi did send me a lot. A lot of schools send me letters and stuff like that, but I don't consider that recruiting me. You, you brought me to bring me down to your school and show me what you all have to offer and that stuff like that. I can I, I consider that as being uh, recruited. But uh, Southern was one of the schools that sent me uh, letters and stuff. And um, so when we got into the game, you know, I was like, I kind of took it personally because I did go to a couple of Southern games and I did, but, and, and I did was interested in Southern, but they showed me no interest in when they were signing day. Wow. So uh, I had a friend that went to Southern Miss named Sheraton Gandy who played mm-hmm. in an all-star game. Together. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, mm-hmm. uh, he was um, he was a, a star running back down there at that time, and so I had it on two different ends. The school that didn't uh, didn't recruit me, didn't want, didn't just sign me, and also that I had a good friend that I wanted to at least outdo him because I know <laughs> that if if we would do if I would do if I would have much a lot of success, uh, we would have a, bit, a good chance of winning the game. But if you look back at the game, you know, we won both sides of the – we won two sides of the game, but we just didn't want to win the kicking game. And that let you know how important the kicking game was. Right, Because right. if we won the kicking game, we would have won the game. Because offensively and defensively, they couldn't do anything. I mean, defense, they couldn't do anything. Offense, we would run up and down the field on them. But mm-hmm. we just lost the kicking game. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and you guys were tied at the half. Uh, with James Big Daddy Carson's defense putting on a great showing led by the great Darian Connor. How much confidence did it give you guys on offense just seeing that defense does dominate Southern Miss like that? You know, uh, our defense was like that ever since I got to Jackson State. I probably, part of my first year there at Jackson State, our defense wasn't, you know, on top like it was when my, my other years. But our defense always held it down for us, you know. We wasn't a high-scoring uh, offense. We just knew that if we take care of the ball and we get 14 points, our defense going to score at least a touchdown or two. Mm-hmm. So uh, we just wanted to maintain and do, do not put our defense in uh, a tough situation. Uh, Lewis, and you touched on the importance of the special teams. Uh, I mean, my recollections of the game – uh, going back, I, neither team got on the board until the third quarter when uh, I think it was, if, not, if I'm not mistaken, it was Michael Jackson ran back that punt return, 72-yard uh, punt return. But but Rick Cleveland, we talked to him, and he said that you guys, you dominated the game both offensively and defensively, uh, but USM's uh, superior special teams play uh, was the, the deciding factor in that game. Uh, you know, looking back at it, 
the, the spike of final score 17 to 7. You know, how do you guys feel that you stacked up against USM that day? I mean, man to man, athlete to athlete, uh, just the tail of the tape. How do, you, how, how do you feel like you guys did? To me, I, I, think, I think we can you know, uh, match up great with, great with against them. And uh, because I athlete was, you can, you can tell about it, the, the, the game itself, how we dominated the game that we compete for as athletes concerned and um and we had some great athletes on that team we had a, at least about four or five guys that went to the pole yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. so that says that says a lot about for itself no doubt about it and, and we we, we kind of reminisced on this game a little bit with, with rick cleveland who was on a, a previous podcast but uh he said that by far you were the best player on the field offensively you know how much do you feel like your performance that day really helped with your nfl aspirations I think any time that a, 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 a person like myself play against a, a higher competition and you perform, you put up numbers that I put up, uh, that, would, that would open people's eyes, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think it had a lot to do with it. And I wish, this is one thing I wish, I wish we would have had opportunity. I wish we would have played in the following mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, we, they, we, I, it didn't happen. But mm-hmm. I wish we would have played them the following year because we had just as a dominant team that, that, that my senior year as well as my uh, sophomore, my first, my junior year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That would have been something. And, uh, you know, as Charles said, you were considered the best offensive player on the field that day. And that's despite USM having a future pro football Hall of Famer at quarterback. <laughs> of course, Brett Favre. He was an 18-year-old freshman on that team. What are your recollections of, of him uh, from that day? Did, uh, did you have any idea that he'd go on to do some of the things that he did? Uh, tell you, I'm going to be honest with you, man. I really didn't – I didn't I didn't get into any of that, man. And yeah. that's just – this is like to this day. I don't get into a lot of stuff. Because I, I didn't know – I didn't know Brett at the time. I wasn't even thinking about Brett at the time. The only right. thing I was thinking about is – Going down there and, and and Jackson State showing up, so I really I, I can't tell you that because I, if I told you to tell you anything, I'd be lying because I didn't I didn't know of Brett. I didn't even think about I don't I don't look at the offensive side of the ball. I was just looking at one thing: defense. What could we do? What could we do on offense that can help us? So I didn't I didn't care about what they had on the offense because I knew that our defense can stick uh, stack up with anybody. Absolutely. Good, great stuff. Great stuff. And our USM head, USM's head coach, uh, Jim Carmody, said that Jackson State is as good or perhaps better than a lot of Division I teams that we play. They make few mistakes. They are sound fundamentally. They are well-motivated mo- and well-coached. And when they tackle you, you stay tackled. And then Coach W.C. Gordon said, I think we showed that we belong. Uh, so, you know, some people say that that 1987 team may have been one of the greatest ever on Lynch Street with our Kodak All-Americans on offense and defense. We'll talk about that 87 team uh, for a generation that may not even know about. Man, I, I tell you, uh, I, I look back over my years at Jackson State and I look at the things that we did, especially in 87. Um, we had we had a great team. And, and I'm talking about, it was across the board. And I'm talking about every position. You know, um, uh, I, I remember when I, when I signed at Jackson State, I felt like, uh, you know, that I wasn't a, the, their top choice mm-hmm. uh, to go to Jackson State to come there. But 
I felt that if they give me a, a good opportunity, that I would I would perform. And we we had some great guys. I can't name all the guys' name, and I don't want to try to start naming because <laughs> I miss someone. Right. So I just know one thing: we had a lot of great athletes on the team, and and like I said before, we had at least about five or six of them probably went to went to the pros, and that's that says a lot for itself. You know, Lewis, you, you talk about some of those great players. I mean, uh, immediately who comes to mind is uh, Dennis Conner, Darian Conner, uh, Cammie Collins, Albert Goss, Harold Heath, uh, <laughs> Kevin Dent, just so many. But when you take a look, uh, you know, this 1985 to 1989, you know, some people call this the, the true golden era of Jackson State football. You know, what was it like to be in the midst of this 28-game SWAT winning streak with four SWAT titles? It's, it's, it was great, man, because everywhere we went, everywhere we went, we knew that we were going to compete and we're going we're gonna to give a, a, a good showing. And we had no doubt, we, we had no doubt that we were going to win the game. And, and especially on the offensive side of the ball, we just knew that if we take care of the ball and because and, and we wasn't a, a, a really passing game team, we were more like a ground and pound and we were mixing a couple passes and stuff like that. We just knew that we just win time position, don't turn the ball over. We're going to have a great chance of winning the game. Absolutely. And and with that 28-game SWAC winning streak and four SWAC titles, there was no mythical HBCU national championship at that time. So I don't know if you if you feel as though you got your, your true recognition. Do you, do you wonder whether this time period in JSU football has been overlooked? I, I don't I don't think about that, but I do I do think about one thing. Uh, I remember when we played against Arkansas State. Uh, I think it was Arkansas State. Mm-hmm. Arkansas State, uh, yeah. Uh, we played, played them one year. We 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 went to the playoff. We went to like not the playoff, but we had we had I don't know what they call it back then, but we used to play a game after the season. Mm-hmm. And and I know we played Arkansas State. Nineteen eighty seven. I I can't remember the year, but I know. <laughs> Playoff game, 1987. We played them, and uh, that game alone, I had a pretty decent game, but this is what got me the, the most. I remember a play to this day that uh, we, we we was on offense. We had the ball. The only thing we had to do is uh, run the clock out. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I was going. I had to run an inside play, and I remember that I got Clipped. Mm. Got our defensive lineman put his legs up and tripped me, and I failed, and we didn't get the first down. And that right there to this day haunt me to this day because if we would have got that first down, we would have won the game. Wow. Because they, I think they won on a, a tackle in around some trick play mm-hmm. or something like that. Definitely a 30, 35 to 32 heartbreaker. That, that, definitely the playoff game, 1987, Arkansas State. What in general, when you look at the at the lack of playoff success for Jackson State, you think that was a missing ingredient? Is there anything that you can point to that the JSU could have done differently to to get some of those wins, or at least specifically that one? No, I, I like that one alone. I just it just it was just a, a heartbreaker because they, like I said, if we got the first down, we would have won the game. If we if we were if we would have stopped that that trick play at the end of the game, we would have won the game. I think that's out of all the games that I played in there, uh, like that. I think that was the only one that we clo- we came close to winning, and I can't tell you that 
what would be the what was what was the cause of us that we didn't perform well at that time i don't know but uh i i know that i was always trying to be pre- prepared to my best ability yeah louis i tell you what arkansas state definitely a, a heartbreaker i i, I want to take you back to 1986 and and I, i'm i'm at this game uh, I'm, I'm a 13 year old at this game. And I remember the atmosphere It was tremendous atmosphere. I mean, everything that you can think, uh, uh in terms of the, the greatest of, of a SWAT game, uh, you go into this game needing X amount of yards to break Walter Payton's rushing record. It's in the hole down at Grambling, huge game, packed stadium, the top two rushers in the SWAT, uh, Lewis Tillman and, and Walter Dean. He was another tough running back during that time. Talk about that game and just breaking Walter's record. I remember going into that week. Uh, I remember uh, we was uh, the, the the news reporter was uh, whatever the news was out at, in Grambling and some kind. Of, I don't know how it got back to us. I don't know if it was it true or not. But only thing we heard that they gonna stop Lewis Till. Wow! Because I needed I think two hundred twenty four yards for. The record of 223 yards for the record, and they say he won't be done on their watch. Wow! So we, I guess my offensive lineman, they took it personal, and we went down there, and I think I got 224 yards. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what it was, but I think it was somewhere like that. And and I, it was, I give all the credit to my offensive lineman. Every year I was there, I had a good offensive lineman, and the guys that really cared about my success. You know. It's, it's it's big. It's different when and guys care about what you do and and don't even think about what they do. And cause my guys up front, the guys that we had up front, they cared about me. Mm-hmm. And they wanted me to do well. So I, I my hats off to all the guys that played before. I mean, played offensive line during my time because they they really looked out for me. Absolutely. All right, and and obviously again, you you broke Walter Payton's record. Did you ever get a chance to meet Walter and have a relationship with him? If if so, what was that like? What did that mean to you? Okay, um, I uh, I met Walter once. Or t- I, I met him twice. I met him in an elevator once. <laughs> and I met him at Chicago when I went to Chicago the first year when I was in ninety ninety four. I met him in the locker room. Right. Uh, uh, he was a fun guy, funny guy. He was, he was personal, and he he's a jokester. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's what he that what it seemed like to me because I I wasn't around him a long a long time, but I just he had that type of personality to me, it, and that's all that I really know of him. I I get along with his 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 brother more so. Absolutely. I I I do a lot of stuff with him. I, I fish with him. I golf with him. I ride bike with him. So we have a we have a pretty good relationship. Oh, that's really awesome to hear, Louis. Uh, you know, <laughs> we'd be remiss if we uh, had you on this show and didn't ask you about the great coach W.C. Gordon. Uh, you know, just a tremendous career at Jackson State. What was it like playing for him, and what has he meant to you for your career? Well, you know, I I really respect Coach Gordon. Um, Coach Gordon. He 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 brought me in at Jackson State, and um, he he really gave me an opportunity. And he told me he taught me about responsibility <laughs> and how to prepare for the game. And I'm talking about responsibility is is when at one point I think 
I was, I guess I was a junior, junior, whatever. Uh, me and me and Darren Connors, we had the altercation at practice. Mm-hmm. And when we had the altercation, Coach Gordon got me and Darren Connors and made us both walk around the track field holding hands. <laughs> you know, at practice. And you know, when you when you had practice, it'd be track out there, everybody be out there. <laughs> and we have to walk we had, me and Darren Connors had to walk around the track. Holding hands because we had because we got we had a a, a, a disagreement on the field and we uh, we got a little scuffle mm-hmm. and, and that taught me from that day never to do that because I didn't want to be caught holding uh, a man hand. <laughs> so uh, but Coach Gordon was he was very good. I'm to my he was always personal. I wish I could remember the story that he tells because mm. man he tells some awesome stories. And he got a he he had a memory out the bank, and uh, he's a good person. And, and to this day, I love him my heart. And he gave me an opportunity to come to Jackson State, and and to give me a chance to 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 play at Jackson State. And I and I really respect him for that. Awesome stuff. Great great story. Great story, and definitely a, a lesson learned there with with uh, Connor. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, it was. <laughs> All right, and you mentioned a couple of times you kind of talked about the recruiting process and, and coming to Jackson State. I know you talked about how, you know, certain schools didn't really recruit you or you didn't feel as though that was true recruitment, and uh, you ended up at Jackson State. But I just want to talk about how, you know, specifically how did you make your way to Jackson State coming out of my hometown of Hazelhurst, Mississippi. So what was that uh, specifically? What was that recruitment like, and how did you make that final decision? Well, let me tell you, be honest with you, it was really no decision to make. You know, uh, I got a lot of letters. I got a lot of, I got Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and all the little letters, Southern Miss, all the big schools in Mississippi, a lot of little schools from outside. But you know what? When when it was signing day, when it was signing day, nobody called. Wow. Nobody came. Uh, my roommate at Jackson State, he signed at 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock that morning. Mm-hmm. But I signed at nine o'clock that night because they 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 had they went past my house. Now this 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 what got me kind of ticked off when I went to Jackson City. <laughs> they went past my house. They went to Brick Haven and signed my roommate Billy Smith. Passed back to my through Hazers, went back to Jackson, and then I guess one of the coaches said, "What what what, what about Lewis Tillman?" And at that time it was like nine o'clock that night, and I would have signed with anybody. Wow. You know, I would have signed with anybody if they would have came to my house because I just wanted to play football. And and then I guess Jackson State came back that night and signed me that night. And when I went to Jackson State, I wanted number 33. My roommate wanted number 33. You guess who got it? My roommate <laughs> got it because he was bigger, stronger, and faster than I was. So, but they, it's one thing about uh, coaches and scouts and recruiters or whatever. They can't. They can't judge a person hard and their desire and how what they want to do in life. They can't. They can't determine it. And so they didn't know my heart. And so when I when I got there, it was it was it was shown the first game of my my college career that I was going to be pretty special. And, it, and it's just idea that I I got a couple breaks throughout my career that I got hurt and I had to go through all that, but. Um, uh, I, 
through through all of that, I, I got a second chance and a third chance to to get back well and healthy, and and and, and the rest is history. Absolutely, definitely history because you had a historic career, and a lot of teams I know they regret not sending you that offer. And I, I know Jackson State is glad that they did, but things always uh, happen for a reason, and they work out as they should. And personally, I just want to say thank you. Uh, because again, I'm from Hazelhurst and, and you were my hero growing up. I, I just want to tell you that right now. Uh, you are the reason I became a Jackson State fan and uh, you're ultimately the reason why I went to Jackson State because uh, I started following the football team in the school because of you being from my hometown. Like again, you were a hero, a superhero and I became interested in Jackson State and here I am years and years later uh, a proud alumnus of the I love Jackson State because of you. So I, th- I definitely want to thank you for that. And to just follow up on, on Corey, I, I tell you, this is a special episode for me, uh, for a young man growing up in Jackson who lived and died for uh, for Jackson State football. I mean, I, I think about the pantheon of greats uh, in terms of my memory, uh, Perry Harrington, Jeff Moore, Larry Cowan, Carl Blue, and then there's Lewis Tillman. And for a lot of us who grew up in Jackson uh, during that uh, special time, uh, I mean, you went to the games, <laughs> you followed Jackson State football, uh, every weekend, and I tell you what, Lewis Tillman was definitely uh, the person that you focused in on, and I just appreciate you uh, for uh, all that you did for Jackson State and for, you know, for, for us young guys, we, we really wanted to be number 23. That's great, man. That's great. All right, well, I definitely want to thank you for coming on, and uh, anytime you want to hop back on and, and speak to the fans, let us know, and I uh, will definitely be happy to have you. Thank you. All right, and that'll do it for episode 64 of Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. Thank you to all of our listeners. And again, be sure to download and subscribe to the podcast. Apple users, rate and review the show. And everyone, follow Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club on Facebook and Tiger Talk 1400 on Twitter. I can't stress the importance of this enough. We're looking to do some big things with this platform to aid the athletics department. And it all starts with you. Download it subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show. And tell every Tiger that you know. We're on all podcast outlets. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and so on. And we'll be posting each episode on our Facebook and Twitter pages. As always, thank you for your support. Go Tigers! Hashtag V-I-Love. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.